Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 363 for the 26th of Cheshvan in Alipir. Have you ever heard this concept of your higher self? Like people use this word, they, this term, they throw it around a lot. Like they say things like, if you're in a dilemma and you're not really sure what you should do, uh, listen to your higher self, you know, get in tune with your higher self. And this is a nice kind of, you know, it's found a lot in like new age circles, like kind of like it's this it's it's not really clear what it is it's sort of like is this like your best self your true self your authentic self what is that so interestingly in kabbalah we actually have this concept of your higher self that there's our self down here below in the physical reality and there's a higher version of ourself above and there's a parallel there and that everything that we do down here any action that we do down here there's a parallel action that happens above in our higher self, in the more spiritual realms. So this is a very powerful thing. And indeed, one of the ways that you can live a full life is by really taking the time to contemplate this idea and really try to get in tune with your higher self in a real way, not in like a new agey way, but in a really true sense. And one of the ways to do this is through meditation, believe it or not, that our thoughts are very powerful and that having good thoughts, having the right intention in thinking about God and thinking about uh, spirituality in a holy way, all of these things can tap us into our higher self and connect us with our higher self. So that's great. That's amazing, right? But what we're going to be learning about today is that as great as that is, and as much as we do want to connect with our higher self, and we don't want to diminish that, there's something beyond that. We don't just want to go up and connect with our higher self. The ultimate purpose why we're here in this world is actually to bring, is to not go up, but it's actually to bring godliness back down here in this world, to make this world a dwelling place for God. And the way that that needs to happen is actually, actually, ironically, by going to a place that is a above our higher self, going into tapping into something that is higher than our higher self, because our higher self is really limited to ourselves, to our own individual experience of reality, of you know, our individual individuality. And so if we're trying to draw down godliness into our world, into our the full world, not just me into my personal body, but and you know, my personal experience, but into the world at large, we have to tap into something higher than ourselves, even higher than our higher self. And perhaps paradoxically, as we'll learn today, the way that we do that is actually by, by uh, connecting with the physical worlds that we live in through action, or to be more specific, the action of speech, speaking words, 
speaking Torah words because we know that God creates the world through speech. So this is speech. There's something very powerful about speech that's connected with creation, that's connected with the power of the universe that we live in, where when we speak words of Torah and we don't just think words of Torah, which again, thinking taps us into our higher self, but speaking words of Torah can actually tap us into a level that is above our higher self. And this can draw down this level that is above our higher self into this world. Now, the caveat with this is, is that in order to do this, in order for this process to happen, you need to have both. Meaning to say that if you speak words of Torah, uh, but you don't have intention behind it, the the meditation is not there behind it, then you don't really, sure, you're going to be drawing things down and you're going to be tapping into some type of spirituality above, but it's not going to take you very far. Like the kavana, as we've learned, the intention, the meditation behind the things that we do are likened to wings, that the wings really help us fly up above. So like if you think about a bird, right, a bird is made up of the wings of the bird and the body of the bird. This is something that's been spoken about elsewhere in Tanya. And the main part of the bird is the body. Like if, if you just had wings, like let's say if you had like a bird whose wings got chopped off, unfortunately, then, you know, you have the wings on one side and then you have the bird on the other side. The bird without the wings is still a bird, right? It's sad. It can't fly. It can't really move upwards, but at least it's still a bird. But the wings without the bird are just wings and they're kind of useless without the bird itself, right? So it's a similar thing here is that we do well intention, which is the wings, is really essential and is really important to bring us up higher. Without the bird, without the groundingness here in physical action, um, it can't, it, it doesn't really serve the full purpose to it. So all of this is by way of introduction to what we're going to be learning in Tanya today, which is crazy exciting because we're in the final part portion of the Tanya. We're in the last uh, safer of the Tanya, the last part section of the Tanya, which is known as the Kuntras Ahran. So the Kuntras Ahran, just to explain this a little bit. So the Kuntras Ahran literally, literally means the last pamphlet, the final pamphlet. And what this is, is it's a collection of letters, essays, notes, things like that, that were compiled, that the Ultra Rebbe wrote and were compiled and put into this format. And what they are for the most part, uh, though they kind of do vary in um, in style to one extent or another, is a lot of a, a lot of reconciliations, like a lot of uh, discussions that of reconciling different Kabbalistic ideas that seem to contradict one another, but the Ultra Rebbe resolves them. So as we'll see throughout this section of the Tanya, the Ultra Rebbe is going to draw on, he's going to reference different places in the Tanya, and he's also going to reference various different Kabbalistic sfarim, most prominently the Zohar and the writings of the Arizal, which are the two main sources that we have in Kabbalistic literature. And he's going to show how there are places sometimes where the Zohar and the Arizal seem to contradict one another. The writings of the Arizal seem to contradict one another, but then the Altarab is going to provide a resolution. So today, what we're going to be learning is an example of this. And he's going to be uh, referencing, the so the part of Tanya that the Altar is going to be referencing here is in the section of the Tanya, in the first part of Tanya, which is known as the Likutea Marem, the Sefer of Shel Benonim. 
that was the very first section of the Tanya that we learned, chapter 40, where there is this whole discussion about intention and about uh, likening um, our service of God to a bird and the wings of a bird being the love and fear of God, which is the intention that we should have in doing the mitzvahs. So keeping that in mind, that's sort of like the, the background material that is necessary to know kind of, or it's very useful to know, at least if we're going to be examining the section today. So go back and see if you can find that section uh, and, and review it if you can. That would be really helpful if you can, but not 100% necessary. Like So hopefully we could understand what we'll learn without it, but it can be useful. And then the altar is going to bring up a teaching from the Eitzchayim, which is teachings from the Arizal, and contrast this with the teaching from the Zohar and show how seemingly these two, they seem to contradict each other, but he's going to resolve them. So uh, so all of this will become clearer as we kind of examine what, how the Altar teaches us teaches us this, but hopefully this introduction I gave you will kind of give a little bit of context to everything that we're learning. So uh, the Altar begins this section as I mentioned, referencing uh, the first part of the Tanya in chapter 40. So he says, you know, go examine that. He's, he's encouraging people to go and review that section of the Tanya. So now in that section of the Tanya, there's this, there's a lot of talk about this idea that through um, learning Torah, Torah and performing mitzvahs, this creates different unions above. And so the altar Rabbah wants to look into this a little bit more. And he wants to see how how this applies to specifically, like when we look in the Torah, the Torah is m- filled with many different things. A lot of the Torah is laws, right? And the laws of the Torah, like if you, if you think about it logically, it kind of makes sense that if you learn the laws of the Torah, this is tapping you into, this is connecting you with God's wisdom because, um, because God, because as we've learned many times in the, ta- in the Tanya, um, the laws of the Torah are a direct manifestation of Hashem's will. So it's like, these are things that God wants us to do, these different laws. So then when you learn about these laws, you're connecting with God and you're connecting with the, God, the mind of God, right? But what about the parts of the Torah that are not laws? What about the parts of the Torah that are just like different stories? Like there are a lot of stories in the Torah. So how is it that when a person learns these different stories in the Torah, how is it that even these parts of the Torah too, because all of the Torah does this, connects a person with the supernal chokhmah, with the supernal wisdom of God? This doesn't need, it's sort of, it needs a little bit of exploration because it's not so, uh, it's not so apparent at first glance that learning stories in the Torah would connect you with supernal wisdom. So what's this about? So the Alter Rabbah says that the way to understand this is by actually looking at a teaching that's found in the Sefer HaKavanos of the Orizal on page 16b that talks about this idea that whenever a person is engaged in Torah study down below, then this means that their their image above, like their, their higher self, as we've been calling it, is likewise engaged in Torah study. So it's like whatever we do down here has an effect on our higher self, on our supernal self. The term for this in Aramaic, for this like higher self or this like image of the person above is called the diukan. That's that's what it is. So once again, whenever a person is involved in Torah study down here, that this uh, there's a parallel of their supernal self, their higher self that's also involved in Torah study, which is even true with any part of the Torah. So even like the stories of the Torah that we're talking about. And this is really what it's talking about is when a person is sitting and meditating, they're using their mind, they're using their thought to really tap into these teachings of the Torah. So it's so it's a, it's a meditator process that's happening that affects this connection that's happening. Okay, but what about speech? 
So the value of speech, says the Altarebbe, is that it actually can do something that thought alone can't. So thought, thinking about these words of the Torah, thinking about the, the words that make up these stories of the Torah, connects a person to their dukan, to their higher self. But if a person speaks these words of Torah, it actually goes much higher. Then this, this speech pierces up to the level of Atsilas, of actually Atsilas. So Atsilas, as we've learned, is the highest of all the worlds. Um, or it may not pierce as high as Atsilas, but it might get to Bria, let's say, uh, if a person um, is speaking words of Torah and together with this speech, as they speak words of Torah, they, they ha- they've developed an intellectual love and fear of God, which we've spoken about numerous times in the Tanya what that means so hopefully you've been following along at this point and you know what that means but in brief it's like an intellectually developed uh, love and fear of God which is based on meditation and contemplation and learning and all of that so if a person has uh, has that kind of intention in mind as they speak words of Torah then they can actually um, get affect this world of Bria or let's say if a person doesn't have this intellectually uh, generated love and fear of God, but they um, but they have a more they're tapping into their more natural innate love and fear of God, they will tap into the level of Yitzira, which is one world below. Or if a person is just involved in like a simplistic way of kind of like just accepting the yoke of heaven in that way, like kind of like this like Kabbalah's all we call it in Hebrew. Um, on that level, then they're then they're going to tap into the level of the 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 ten spheres of Asiya, um, because this basically the speech um, pierces through the atmospheres and allows a person to tap into these different worlds. So just to understand this, the contrast is that what's the difference? So we have the Diukan, which is the supernal self, the higher self. And that supernal self, that higher self is, again, as I mentioned in the introduction, it's just, it's you. It's like, it's you, like in an individualistic way, but just like a higher version of you. I heard from Rabbi Paul Thiel, I don't know if anybody can verify this, but he thought that the Diukan where it's found is in the Malchus of each world. So it's the lowest aspect of each world. It, it, it's found there. It's a section, of, in, it's found within the Malchus of each world. What we're saying is that our thoughts allow us to tap into this diukan, this higher self, this higher image of ourself, which is another way to understand this is the, the source of our souls. But only speech allows us to tap into a level that transcends ourselves entirely and to actually tap into these higher worlds, depending on what level of our intention is at. The speech kind of instigates this connection on one of these levels in, in these higher worlds. Okay, so that is according to the Arizal. That's what we find in the, the Sefer HaKavanos of the Arizal. That's what the Arizal teaches. But then the ultra moves on and he says, now we're going to examine a teaching in the Zohar, in the third part of the Zohar on page 105, which seems to kind of contradict this at first glance, which is what? What does it say? It says that um, that thinking achieves nothing. So the context for this idea of thinking achieves nothing, what, the, what is the Zohar talking about there? It's actually talking about it in a negative sense, in the sense that like there's this idea that on Shabbos, we know that really ideally we're supposed to be involved in very holy things all day long. And that's, you know, what we do, we pray, learn, we say brachas on food, we do kiddush, all these things, right? And our thoughts ideally should be very uh, holy as well. However, there is this teaching that if a person does think about things that are not that are that have to do with the, with the weekly things that have to do with my, like we're not we're not allowed to talk about these weekly things plan for the week ahead but if you just think about these things in your head it doesn't actually accomplish anything so it's it's like not that it's encouraged but we, it, if if a person on Shabbos is thinking about um 
what they're going to do on Sunday uh, that has nothing to do with Shabbos, they haven't technically um, done anything. They haven't like created a blemish, so to speak, according to the Zohar. So now the Altarab is taking this teaching and he's he's uh, turning around in the positive way. So he, he's saying that if the, if the Zohar is saying that thinking about things in this less than ideal way doesn't actually cause have any effect so so too in terms of beneficial effect that if you just sit and think like if you just think about doing good things but you don't actually back it up with action the zohar seems to be saying that this too does not accomplish anything and he says a person should go and study that there as well as on page 31b to examine this more uh, more closely so this seems to contradict what we learned from the Arizal, right? Because we learned from the Arizal that thinking does achieve something, that if a person sits and meditates about, about God and meditates about Torah, this allows them to tap into their supernal self, which is a thing, right? That's a thing. But the Zohar doesn't mention this. So what's going on? So the Altarabah says that the Zohar is what, what the Zohar is referring to when it says it achieves nothing, it's referring specifically to this downward flow. It's specifically saying that there's no downward flow that happens. And rather, the, the thought remains above. And it actually does increase great illumination there. Um, and that when a person actually does verbalize the Torah that they're learning, then this this thought that they have actually does accomplish something really great above is that it actually creates this amazing illumination in the world of Atsilas and that in fact the main fruits of a person's labor in Torah and Mitzvahs, uh, physical Torah and Mitzvahs are above. The, the main thing that's happening is above. So it's like we do the physical Mitzvahs down here, but there's much more going on above than we can see down here. It's just that what we see here, what gets manifest here is the the fruits, uh, which, which the fruits are, they get drawn down through a little bit of that light that comes down through a person's speech and thought, which when it comes to thinking, nothing gets drawn down. So then thus, if a person just thinks and doesn't do the action, then they haven't, they're not exempt from what they need to do. So basically to explain this, so there's a couple things going on. So there's, we have the, the speech and action, and then we have the thought. And so both are important for sure. Uh, and in fact, in terms of who want to say what's more powerful, there's an argument to be made that the thought is more powerful because the thought is the intention which allows for great ascendance and great, great light to be revealed in the upper realms and great unifications to happen and things like that. However, in order for this illumination process to manifest in a way that some of that illumination will become manifest down here, there needs to be an action associated with it, some kind of speech, some kind of action, some kind of deed that's associated with the with the contemplation, with the meditation. You can't just sit and meditate and not um, back it up with physical action. And in fact, the ultra rabbit goes on that this is why our soul game came down here into this physical realms, as uh, as is explained in the Itzchayim and Gate Twenty Six, in order to draw down light. So, in fact deed and speech action and speech is, is extremely important and this is our whole purpose here uh but in order to but on the other hand we don't want to dismiss them then a person might think like okay so it's all about the action it's all about speech so i'm just going to do what i need to do and who cares what my thought process is meditation who needs any of that but the truth is we do need these things we do need 
the proper meditation and contemplation and to develop a deep way of thinking because this is what allows us to elevate what we do above. And it's specifically through a good thought that we do this and, uh, and, and th- which promotes feelings of love and awe. And without this love and awe, then it can't go up. It's not like, you know, there's no wings. Like a bird, very nice. You have a bird who's living and alive. That's really nice. But the only way that that bird can fly is if it has its wings. As is explained in the Shara Nevoa, the chapter two of the Shara Nevoa, about this idea that uh, that that a good deed, a, a good thought is what elevates the Torah and mitzvahs. So now the ultra rabbi is going to go back to the Zohar and he says, now we find again something in the Zohar that seems at first glance to kind of contradict this, where the focus again goes on the action and kind of it sounds almost like dismissive of the of the intention, of the the feelings, the emotions behind it, where it's where the Zohar teaches that the sound of Torah study, that when a person speaks words of Torah, this pierces through the firmaments above and that this piercing happens even if there's no love in fear and uh and and we find this the way that we learn this is that through speaking like we see again the going back to the shabbos example so again if a person thinks things on shabbos that have nothing to do with shabbos while it's not ideal it's not actually ca- causing a blemish above however if a person speaks words of uh that have nothing to do with shabbos like speaks idle chatter, we call it on Shabbos, this actually does create a blemish above. Even if a person doesn't necessarily have negative intent, the speech itself has an effect above. So if this is true for negative speech, this is definitely true for positive speech, that if a person uh, speaks good things, then this is going to have an effect. This is going to, um, to, to pierce through the firmaments above. So if this is true, why do we need the intention? Like we just learned before that in order for the bird to fly, in order for the Torah mitzvahs to fly upwards, there needs to be this love and fear. So how are we saying now that even if a person doesn't have the love and fear, they don't have any intention and they're just speaking, it's still a sense upwards? So the Altarabbas says that this is saying that, it yes, it does ascend upwards, but it doesn't get that far. It gets up to the place, which is called the Rik'in, which is the firmaments. This is this another way to understand it, another term for this level is the hechalos, the chambers, and the batim, the abodes. Meaning to say, this is the external aspect of the supernal man. So, um, meaning to say that it it only gets to the superficial aspect of the world. It does not actually pierce to the actual full worlds. Meaning it doesn't get to the level of the soul of this these the supernal man, meaning that which is the light of Atsilis that illum- illuminates in that world, uh, not even in the level of Asiya, not even on the lowest lowest level, um, which is the level of the, the ten spheros and the lights and the vessels. Um, so even this lowest wor- of all worlds, without intention, it does it. Our actions do not get to that level. They can only reach the level of the external aspects of the worlds. And the ultra concludes and he says that this is this is how we can understand what the Tikkun Zohar says, that without fear and love, it cannot stand before God. It cannot ascend or stand before God. So that's the end of the section. So I know it's, it's quite a bit and I tried to break it down in the introduction, but I'll conclude with kind of like a little brief summary of how this works here is that we have the action or speech, let's say, and the intention. And ideally, we really want both. And each one serves a different purpose. And the ultra kind of gave us a map of what each one accomplishes separately and together. 
So if you just have the intention, if you just have the machshava, then yes, there's an ascension that happens. The ascension is, is that you connect with your higher self, with your diukan. But without action associated with that, without speaking words of Torah, if you just think words of Torah without speaking them, you can't get any higher than that man, that supernal man, which means that you can't draw anything down. It's like your thoughts just get stuck over that, stuck, stuck up there. Um, on the other hand, if you have speech without the intention, so yes, there is an ascension that happens that does go kind of like beyond you in a certain way uh, and does tap into the world, but it only taps into the external aspects of the world. So in order to cause this ascension upwards to this level that transcends you, that transcends your supernal self even, and that through that transcending your supernal self and tapping into these higher worlds of Asiya, Yitzira, Bria, and Atsilas, you need to have the action, but you also need to have the intention. And the intention, there are many different levels of intention. You can have simple intention of just like, I'm intending to speak words of Torah because I accept the yoke of heaven upon me. That's going to get you up to the level of Asiya. If you really cultivate a more innate feel of fear and love of God that we all have, but you really tap into that, that can tap you into the level of Yitzira when you speak words of Torah. And if you tap into an even a higher form of love and fear of God, which is a more intellectually generated love and fear of God, that can get you to the level of Yitzira. And then you can draw down light from that level of Yitzira. And then if you go even higher than that, you can tap into the level of Atsilas, which is the ultimate, the highest of all the worlds. And you can draw down light from there. So that's it for today. And I hope you're enjoying this new section that we're in. It does get quite Kabbalistic and quite deep and abstract. So I will try my best to bring this final section down. And so hopefully you will enjoy this journey with me. I'm learning along with you guys. So just, you know, bear with me and we'll get through this together. And with that being said, I will speak to you tomorrow when we continue along these lines and we go into the second essay in this in this section of the Tanya known as a Kuntris Aharon. I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.